How's it going, Katanning? Uh, welcome to another episode of the Katanning Podcast. I uh, could not be more excited today. We have another uh, Pennsylvania State Senate candidate, mm-hmm. Susan Bosher, mm-hmm. uh, for the 41st District. Yes. Uh, very happy to have you today. How are you doing? I am doing super. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't be any better. I just, I'm so excited to meet you and uh, let Thank everyone you. else get to know another one of their uh, potential senators, one of their candidates, someone that they can vote for on May 21st. That's right. Thank you. Yeah. And so I just... Um, those of you that those of us that don't know who you are, I know I'm just I'm just starting to learn who you are. So okay. uh, give everyone a couple minutes. Uh, who are you, and um, <laughs> what? How did you end up at this point running for Senate? Yeah, well, it wasn't part of my original game plan. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a couple things about me. First of all, I am I come from a rural background. Um, I've lived in a small town in a rural area pretty much all of my life. And that way of life is super important to me. It's a good way to raise a family. It's a good quality of life um, for lots of reasons. Um, When I was, um, my first half of my adult career was in human services. I worked, I ran a group home for teenage boys. I um, was in drug and alcohol treatment, um, both with people who were struggling with addiction and also family members. Um, And then I did a few years working with a crisis home-based Um, intervention for families to help them keep their kids and avoid placement. Um, And that experience taught me an awful lot about the problems that people faced and its connection to um, um, poverty, but also the ways in which our human service system had not been set up well to support families when they had needs. And it often dragged them down further in ways that were not anticipated, not what were desired, but it was just the way things worked out, unanticipated consequences. And so seeing that and recognizing that there were better ways to be doing what we were doing, I wanted to get involved in making change. Yeah. Um, so I went back to school. I, I uh, actually went to Cornell and I got a PhD in policy, specifically focusing on human service studies. Um, and I did a project while I was there, um, working with four rural counties to see if we might come up with a model, a different way of bringing money, Medicaid money in particular, into those counties that would put it under local control and allow rural people to design a structure for, for human services that made better sense locally rather than be driven by the system that we had. Um, we did design it. We put it through the, the state le- New York state legislatures where I was living at the time. Um, and it went into being, and um, it has it still survives. It's grown. It's doing well. And we actually ended up getting an award from a Republican governor for our work, wow. leadership and innovation in rural healthcare delivery. Um, following that, I came to teach uh, at IUP. I teach in the sociology department, and my work focuses on policy and and social problems and um, ways of dealing with those things. Finally, I'll also mention that um, I am a mom. I have three kids, all grown now, and um, and I'm a grandma. I've got a two and a half year old grandson. Very cool. Well, that's uh, that's cool. So you live in Indiana now. I do. And you're yes. still still teaching today. I had class this morning. Wow. <laughs> so you've been very very busy. Yes, I have been. Okay. So um, for those people that don't know, can you give us a better idea of um, of what motivates you? You know, why do you why do you want to be a, a state senator? Okay. 
I'll tell you. Um, well, first of all, it wasn't what my original plan was for myself at this time in my life. Um, I'd actually been starting to look at retirement and thinking about travel and things I wanted to do. Yeah. And But because I study social problems and because I study social policy, I pay attention to these things and I watch what's happening politically. And I've been watching specifically what's been happening in Western Pennsylvania over recent years. And I've been growing increasingly troubled. Um, and I mentioned to you also that um, I have a grandson, mm -hmm. and um, I I became motivated quite honestly after attending the women's march in Washington about two or three years ago, and um, standing shoulder having some depression about what was happening in the system at that time, but standing shoulder to shoulder with with other men and women and kids and elderly people, and getting again that sense of strength that real change is possible if we step forward. And I've been telling my students for years, you know, if, if you don't like the way things are and you want to see change, um, if not you, then who? Mm -hmm. And I realized, <laughs> if not me, <laughs> you know, I, I, had, I, had, I had the capacity. Um, I, I don't need to do it for the job, but I do it because I think there's a better way to do some things okay. to make things better for people. Definitely. I have ideas. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely get into that for sure. Good. Um, what do you guys, well, I guess it segues right into the next question, actually. Okay. Uh, the 41st District, a lot of people don't know what that actually covers. Okay. Um, there's a lot of different cities, obviously, mm -hmm. with different problems. Mm -hmm. um, what do you see? At, well, first off, can you tell us about the 41st District? Mm -hmm. Where is it? And then what do you th see as the most important issues? Or back okay. to your, what you just said, what okay. are the things that trouble you about okay. Western Pennsylvania that sure. you would like to see change? Sure. Um, first of all, what it encompasses is all of Indiana County, all of Armstrong County, um, uh, it's maybe about a third or so eastern third of Butler County from maybe Saxonburg all the way up um, north to the upper um, border, northern border of Butler, and then some pockets of Westmoreland County. So some just on the other side of the bridge from Apollo. Right. So Avonmore and, and that area through there, but also Murraysville. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly <laughs> enough, right? <laughs> which is which is um, very different than yeah. the rest of the district. Absolutely. Okay. So that's the district. And then in terms of um, particular issues, um, first of all, with the exception of Murraysville, Mm -hmm. um, the rest of the district is very, very rural. Um, the largest community within it would be Indiana with about 15,000 people. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things we're seeing, and anyone sees, if you drive through rural Pennsylvania and you go through the small towns, you see empty storefronts. Yeah. You see, um, we have an aging population. We have a population that has not done as well in the booming economy we've had nationwide. Um, and, and actually, I was just looking at some of the numbers yesterday that um, the level of income here is less on average than it is nationwide. It's also less in the rural areas than it is in Pennsylvania overall. Okay. And that one third, one third of the people in the rural parts of our state live on less than $35,000 a year. Okay. That's poverty. Right. Yeah. So that's what that's what I think is really our biggest issue is that the we've we've lost um, a lot of jobs that once upon a pay, time paid well, particularly through coal mining, and we have not replaced them um, mm -hmm. or light manufacturing. We've lost a lot of light manufacturing jobs too, sure. but we haven't replaced them with new job opportunities. Sure. And so people are working longer hours, two and three jobs, all making low wages and are getting further and further behind. Plus, because of that and the lack of jobs, because of school debt, 
our young people aren't able to stay here and raise their families here. So they're increasingly leaving and we have an aging population. That's not a good situation and there's things we can do about that. Okay. Well, it sounds like uh, as far as the issues go, I think you and I are very similar in what, what, mm-hmm. the, what the issues that we face. And so mm-hmm. we'll get into a little bit more of like how would you tackle those issues. And I, and I also oh, want I need to yeah, add something else. And this Absolutely. will be for a potential edit. Yep. Um, I talked about the rural areas, but I also need to say something about Murraysville. Go ahead. The situation in Murraysville is actually just the opposite as the rest of this district, and I think it makes for some real challenges. I think it means the potential for Murraysville to get lost, quite honestly, um, and be ignored um, in Harrisburg in this regard. Murraysville, rather than the kind of deep and increasing poverty that we're seeing, Murraysville is actually having a boom. They have been they've been growing rapidly, so rapidly in fact that there are issues with congestion. There are issues with um, schools being filled with capacity and needing to expand, mm-hmm. but without the resources that are necessary to do that. Um, and there are also challenges, I think, as well. Uh, they've been struggling recently. Uh, with the state with regards to local rights um, regarding self-determination and Marcella shale drilling. And um, so that's that's something that's really um, motivating people there right now as well. And all of those are issues that I care a great deal about. Okay, very good. Um, so we'll get into the po- policy specifics of okay. where we'll go on, on those different issues or what your ideas are for those different issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple things just about, just to get you to know you a little bit better too. Sure. Favorite things to do, favorite places to visit when you come to Armstrong <laughs> County. Oh my, well, I've got to tell you, I have lived right my entire life, even when I was up in New York State when I was growing up, I've lived very near to the Allegheny River. Okay. And it pleases my heart so much that I was able to find work and move to an area that is still close to the Allegheny River. Absolutely. So that, that <laughs> pleases me enormously. Um, in addition to that, quite honestly, I have such a love for the rolling hills mm-hmm. and the fields. And every single time I drive up here, there are a few spots close to hilltops where you can see just these these round um, spaces of farmlands that just go way off into the distance and yep. the absolute beauty of it and how it changes from season to season. Absolutely. It's it's the scenery. It's the country. Yeah, there's some of those hills and you come driving 422 to oh, get yeah. here and you just get to oh, the yeah. top. Just Absolutely. beauty everywhere. And then also the, the towns, um, when you drive down along the Allegheny, mm-hmm. you know, down through Ford Cliff and, and all the way down and through Apollo, I just, oh, it's just beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. We talk a lot about the river and its you know, future economic importance mm-hmm. as far as tourism absolutely. and the trail and all that absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh, very cool. So we have four vi- four big issues that I that I talk about okay. for the city of Catanning. And okay. I think Catanning's kind of a microcosm of Armstrong County mm-hmm. as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, these things I think are applicable to the entire county mm-hmm. and probably to the majority of your district as mm-hmm. well. So. Uh, number one is is jobs and sure. filling up filling up business or filling mm-hmm. up um, you know, storefronts mm-hmm. and uh, industrial parks those mm-hmm. kinds of things light manufacturing like you mm-hmm. said what what would you do as state senator to try to increase the availability of jobs in the county okay. and what do you see as your role in that okay um, so first of all in terms of let me start with my role yeah um, I see my role is to actively partner with local government and that certainly means the county government, but frankly, also municipalities mm-hmm. and and borough councils, or you know whatever makeup you have here. Um, I think that that kind of active partnership is how we 
we actively, my job would be like it was with those families years and years ago, helping to identify particular resources right. and helping to deal with regulatory or other kinds of governmental issues to make things more possible that are going to suit the interests of people. Okay. okay. So I do believe it should be locally driven. My job is to help them make it happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. So secondly, in terms of ideas of specifically what to do, um, this is work I've actually been active with in Indiana County. Okay. Um, about a year and a half ago, uh, maybe two years ago, our one of our commissioners, Shireen Hess, Commissioner Hess, um, became the leader in organizing the Indiana County Sustainable Economic Development Task Force. Okay. Okay. And it's a mouthful. I'm yeah. one of the leaders with it, though. And um, it was a it was really a collaborative process. We had a series of meetings over the course of several months, in which we looked at economic opportunities as well as education and job training in four broad areas. One of them was renewable energy. Mm -hmm. Another one is is um, building materials and building reconstruction. Another one was agriculture. And then the fourth was land reclamation. Okay. And what we did in each one was bring together different stakeholders from the community. And they, I'll tell you, they had some very different perspectives, okay? I, I was a leader for the group of um, renewable energy. And so we had people there who were deeply into solar energy and and wind and and very new age in perspective. We had architects. We also we also had somebody, though, who was an attorney and who had worked for a long time with a coal company. Okay. okay. And so we had Democrats and Republicans, and we had all these diverse views. And in the beginning, we had a little bit of challenge, I'm too. I'm sure. <laughs> we did. But here's the thing. What we focused on was what are the assets of our community and what kinds of of um, economic opportunities are possible. Mm -hmm. And among the things that we came up with is, that, first of all, um, abandoned buildings, yeah. blight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that we could do with some of those abandoned industrial buildings in particular, because we could put solar on the roof, Mm -hmm. We have geothermal because we have lots of water underground here. We're quite blessed with water in the region. Absolutely. We could use that for cooling. Those buildings actually could be turned into data centers. Wow. Yes. We could also do indoor organic agriculture okay. in those buildings too. So there's a number of different things that we came up with and how we could maybe reclaim some of them for materials and, repro and, and repurpose. So lots of ideas came up. Those are just a couple quick ones out yeah. of a whole range of things. But what I realized from that is that when you bring local people together that have different stake and different interests and you and you collaboratively put together what's working for us, where do we want to go, there are possibilities. Yeah. There are possibilities. And what our groups are going to need now are some grants, and that's exactly what somebody in um, Harrisburg should be doing. Absolutely. It's making that possible for us. And so we also looked at opportunities for light industry through um, parts of, associated with renewable energy mm -hmm. as well. We could be making, I don't know, pick something, um, solar panels or, you know, sure. there's all kinds of things that we could be producing because that's an emerging field. Right. So it's about being proactive. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's a big chunk of what I would see partnering with local districts to come up with ideas that would fit. And then secondly, and this is huge, broadband, high-speed broadband internet access throughout the entire county. Yeah. Our counties, um, essentially, if we can't connect, if we don't have connectivity with the rest of the world, we almost become a third world country. Yeah. Because so much of business takes place um, through an online environment now. Absolutely. So if we want businesses to be here, we're going to have to develop it. Yeah. And then finally, job training that we have, that we're partnering with our universities, our technical schools, um, our trades, the unions, mm -hmm. to develop, um, to develop, help people develop the skills that they need. Yeah. 
yeah, I know there's a huge gap between what employers are looking for and what people are actually mm-hmm. trained in. And if mm-hmm. we can bridge that gap from an educational it's standpoint. It's very doable. We've yeah. got some great educational institutions right here. Absolutely. And they're more than eager. Yeah. I had I did a tour not so long ago of Lenape. And just doing, not only are they doing really great work down there, but they're also looking ahead, you know, about some very creative and, and cutting edge ideas, I think. So that's one possibility. Or on the other end, partnering with engineers at Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. You know, to be doing some kind of, of pilot projects or developing prototypes for them with, with industrial space, old industrial space. Yeah. So there are there are options and it's about again partnering and empowering, I believe, leaders in the local communities and then helping link them to the resources. Okay. Very good. Um, love that. Uh, so that's our first one, jobs, storefronts, all those kinds of things. Okay. Uh, very interesting to hear the geothermal thing. I never mm-hmm. never really thought about that. But mm-hmm. um, uh, so We ha- have water. How did that task force come about? Like, what, what was that like working Democrat-Republican? Because that's something that I, I think is so important for the future yes. is for us to quit fighting yes. each other all the time yes. and actually work yes. together on solutions. Yeah. You know, there was, at the very beginning, <laughs> the very beginning, there was a little bit of tiptoeing around each other. I'm sure. There was. There and we be. were kind of careful because um, we didn't really know each other that well yet. And, yeah. and and then what happened was that there was, in, in my group, there was somebody said something that triggered a reaction in somebody else. And there was a little bit of tension started to come up. Mm-hmm. And what I, as a leader, what I did was just say, okay. That's not actually what we're here for. Yeah. Let's come back to the issue and let's sure. focus on the areas that we have in common. We're identifying our as- assets right now. Yeah. So let's focus on that. And actually what happened is that those same people began talking deeply with each other and recognized the expertise that the others had. Yeah. And it was great. I think it when, was we, great. when we finally start talking, we realize this is just another human being I'm talking exactly. to. <laughs> exactly. And then everything changes. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I guess that kind of segues right into my next one. Our second big issue for Catanning and Armstrong County, the opioid epidemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. You you might know Armstrong County. We were number two in the Mm -hmm. state. I know. And our state was, uh, I believe, number four in the Mm -hmm. nation at the time. Mm -hmm. And so Armstrong Mm -hmm. County has had a a very difficult uh, struggle with opioid epidemic over the past several years. Now, it does seem to be improving. Uh, We do seem to be on the upswing, as is Indiana County, Mm -hmm. but still a long ways to go. And so what would you do as senator to help solve that okay. issue? How do you, what do you think you bring to the table to okay. help with that? Well, first of all, and this isn't going to be good news. Right. Um, the, where, where we're improving, and this is mixed, mixed good news, I guess, where we're improving is not in terms of levels of addiction. We're improving in terms of our mortality rates. Right. We don't have as many people dying from it as they did. Right. Narcan and all that kind exactly. of stuff. Exactly. And yeah. that has to do with Narcan being available and, frankly, being readily available so that whoever is at the scene is able to, the general public, is able to address that and deal with it. That is an important distinction. <laughs> it's extremely important. Sorry. Go yeah. on. <laughs> and, and, frankly, the reason that we have higher death rates than they do, for example, from opioids in the, in the cities has to do with... with um, the access to health care here. It's more difficult to get health care and emergency okay. care in particular than it is if you live in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, I so suppose just distance-wise even. Exactly. Okay. Distance-wise and availability. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of the issue too. And that opens up a different question. Sure. But um, coming back to the opioid, the other challenge, and this is a part that's not good news about why we're having lower issues with it. Um, there has been, um, my understanding from, in our county, um, our DA, Pat Doherty, um, is that 
there is more substitution going on there. There's been an increase in cocaine and an increase in methamphetamines. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and so that's also so so we've got people that are moving in some different directions with substances. It's not as much the opioids. Okay. Um, and so so our numbers are a little bit better in terms of mortality, but we are far from being out of the woods. Oh yeah, I know that. Yeah. yeah. So okay, my my thoughts on on dealing with it. Um, Quite honestly, the single biggest thing, and I say this as somebody who was a credentialed addictions counselor um, oh, about 100 years ago, it seems like now, um, <laughs> is that treatment works. Treatment really, truly does work. Treatment works for families that have been ravaged by this as well. However, you can't go cheap on it. Mm-hmm. If you need 28 days or you need 14 days, you need 14 days or you need 28 days. You can't make it three days and then, you know, send them a referral and hope that it's going to do it. Right. And I think a lot of the problem that we've had is that the treatment facilities that we've had, two things. There have been good quality ones, but they haven't been adequately reimbursed to do the job effectively. And then secondly, um, we also have had, and this appalls me at the core, we've had problems with... Um, Facilities coming on board that are that are in the business for the purpose of business mm-hmm. and seeking to make money and profit, okay. um, and not actually engaging in quality treatment. Okay, and and I think we need better policing about that. So I think one big part of what we knew, need to do is provide quality, uh, be willing to pay for quality treatment. Okay. Period. Okay. Number one. Number two, though, um, I'll also tell you from my experience in the field that um, you can have great treatment and a great program. But if the person is, when they're released and when they're back out on their own, if they are coming back to deep economic problems, mm-hmm. can't find a job, can't, can't take care of their kids, yeah. you know, can't keep the lights on in the house, um, they're at very high risk of relapse. Mm-hmm. So we also, again, need to be investing in the economy here. Yeah. And ensuring that people that we have people people that have jobs that have a living wage, quite honestly. Right. And and if we don't have that, we're in continued trouble. Yeah. I always tell people I think addiction is primarily like it's a hope deficiency. Like they have you have to have something to grab onto you in do. this life. You and do. So, and you can't you can't make recovery stick if you don't have something to grab onto. Right. And another way of living if you can't replace the drug use um, with a way of life that is that helps you to grow. Okay. Any ideas of how we would expand the availability of that of treatment options? I mean, ex- that's get money. more facilities. Those kind. That's of, money. Just the money. That's thing. money, and also policing it too. I, and I don't mean the word police, police. I mean yeah. in terms of ensuring that it's quality service. Right. Okay. And so maybe diverting some funds from facilities that aren't getting quality results to ones that are. I think we need um, stronger attention to certification and licensing okay. of facilities, mm-hmm. and also attention to outcomes. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, and obviously you've had a lot of experience with that, mm-hmm. with your background, mm-hmm. dealing with families and uh, mm-hmm. those situations. So any, any special insights from that that we, can, that we could glean? Um, just honestly, the single biggest one is that there is hope. Okay. Like I said, treatment really does work. Okay. I've seen it time and time and time again. Um, I'll also tell you that people who have been down that road and have lived through the horrors of addiction and then found their way back out mm-hmm. are some of the most talented, beautiful human beings I've ever had the pleasure to know. Absolutely. And um, I think that they have often a unique set of gifts. Yeah. And uh, I think we're all the better for them. Yeah. So, so addiction itself, in, in and of itself, as horrible as it is, 
it's like the phoenix. Yeah. You know, it can, a phoenix can rise out of those ashes. That's, Absolutely. That's a beautiful thing and a gift to all of us. Very good. Okay. So that's my second big issue. Our third big issue for Katianning mm-hmm. is this issue of blight. I mm-hmm. know you touched on it a little bit already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, blight's not only a problem in the commercial districts, mm-hmm. but also residential mm-hmm. districts. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously resources to help clean those kinds of mm-hmm. things up is, is difficult to come by. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what would you do as state senator to help solve that? Um, what would be your plan to help our individual mm-hmm. communities uh, to tackle that problem? Okay. Um, again, I am very strongly committed to solutions being community-driven mm-hmm. rather than outside. Again, I would with this issue, as, as we talked about jobs before, I believe that this still, that the, the, the state senator's role is one of advocating for policies statewide mm-hmm. that will be supportive of the work that's being done locally. But beyond that, it's about linking to resources and, and, and also resources, not just money, but technical expertise and information as well. Sure. You know, what's worked in other communities? Yeah. And I think there's lots of ways that cross-networking can help with communities in that regard. So, that, so that's one thing. Secondly, um, I think that I, th- I think that in addition to some of the ideas I mentioned before that we came up with in Indiana, such as repurposing old industrial spaces mm-hmm. um, for some new ideas, I think that one of the things I would love to see and I would be a strong proponent of is development of local business. I think that lots of times for the purpose of jobs, we will see um, um, counties make the choice to try to attract large corporations to put a plant here and they do so by offering tax incentives Um, i'm not a fan of that i'm not a fan of that they come in part for the tax um, incentives and also because when an area is impoverished then people are more willing to work for really for low wages you Mm -hmm. know so it's cheap labor and lack of taxes and that that is not um business that is helping us grow as a community. Okay. So I don't think that that's a good answer. I think instead what we want to be doing is developing locally owned small business. Okay. The kind that you would see in the storefronts along Absolutely. Main Street. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it might be a local yarn shop that partners with a sheep farm that's mm-hmm. out in the country. Or you might, and also teaches classes and does things like that. Or you might see, um, I'm, uh, one other thing I'm really big about is um, really trying to build market um, op- options and opportunities um, locally for local agriculture producers. Okay. Okay. That's something I'm um, actually, I put together a grant um, over in Indiana again to fund uh, something called the Local Foods, Local Places Project. Mm-hmm. And um, again, it was technical ex- um, assistance from agriculture department and other departments that helped us to see what are some of our assets for for um, our agricultural producers in the area and how might we develop um, options for them in with our downtown. Okay. So spaces that they might be um, having uh, increasing opportunities for the farmers market. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that the county has has said we, they might be able to do is take the existing transportation route. We've got an Indigo um, bus system there. Yeah. That um, and expand some of the routing on a couple of days to allow people who have transportation difficulties to get into the farmers market. Oh yeah. So, but it's about increasing walkable downtown spaces and bringing other other markets into that. And um, we're quite excited about what's happening with that. And that kind of thing could work beautifully in Katanning as yeah. well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, obviously, tourism is another is another significant part of it as well. The history here is so rich, mm-hmm. and the area is so beautiful. Yeah. And, again, the river, the hills, the hiking, there's, there's an awful lot of possibilities, I think. Yeah, yeah. We talk a lot about Pittsburgh to Erie Trail and mm-hmm. all those things, and when that's completed. Absolutely. Katanning is like 
either the last stop when you, before Pittsburgh or the first stop coming yeah, out. And so yeah. what an opportunity yeah. if you had farmer's markets and Absolutely. little shops and all those Absolutely. kinds of things here. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And not just Catanning, but right up and down along the river too. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. How about from a residential perspective as far as tackling blight? I mean, mm-hmm. I, don't, I know there's some different plans out there right now. Um, I know uh, the um, lieutenant governor mm-hmm. just through just well they just put out a plan as far as tackling blight those kinds mm-hmm. of things what, mm-hmm. what are your what's your take on all that actually um i am in support it's called the restore pa right. um, plan from the governor and i'm a fan of that uh a lot of them are ide- <laughs> ideas i've been talking about as well sure you know it's using a, a severance tax for example on the marcella shale gas right. industry and using that to fund um high-speed broadband internet as well as dealing with blight um, and infrastructure issues, water, stormwater, septic, or sewer. So so a lot of that is a restore PA, and quite honestly, I think that's the way to go. But again, I would connect it to locally driven interests and what do people want to do. Some of these buildings are historical. Sure. You know, and may be recoverable. Many of them may not be. Right. So I think it's really about, again, that public partnership between local and um, state. So just getting the money to the local community, mm-hmm. let the local community decide what, mm-hmm. what's... Uh, or work in partnership with them. Maybe yeah. there's some additional resources that they need. Okay. Very good. Um, that leads right into the next one. Uh, many of our local cities, are they're really struggling to um, manage the problems that they face. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's mm-hmm. like in Indiana County, but mm-hmm. Catanning Borough, they're all volunteers. Mm-hmm. They all have full-time jobs aside mm-hmm. from what they're doing. Yeah. The job of managing a borough gets mm-hmm. more complex seemingly by the day. It does indeed. And so how can a full-time legislator mm-hmm. uh, partner with a local community mm-hmm. uh, to help them manage the daily grind of, mm-hmm. of operating a city? You know, it depends on what the particular issues are that they're facing. And I think that the first step, quite honestly, is not to assume that I know what those are going to be, but rather to talk with them and listen Mm -hmm. and seek to understand. And then what my job is, as I see it, is to connect with the wide variety of resources. It's not just a question of money. It may be a particular um, department that has expertise in some area. Interestingly, that grant, the Local Foods, Local Projects grant that I told you about, we didn't get any cash from it. We got no cash from it. What we got was technical expertise. We had like a two, two and a half day long um, workshop that they came down and we had people from like five or six different agencies that have particular expertise. And they came and worked with us about um, what what we could custom design for for our own interests with regards to developing our downtown district. But they gave us ideas, they gave us processes, they also gave us access to um, like information about a variety of different resources we could bring in. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that um, serving in the role of like a link Mm-hmm. to other pockets of expertise is a critical part of what I could do as state senator. Absolutely. And then we also look at are there other ways in which, you know, th- there's lots of different options because we have demographic shifts and and it becomes a question of what kinds of options do we want to look at collaboratively. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, I hear a lot of complaints about taxes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, now taxes, that's not one of my four hot button issues, but okay. in Armstrong County, I hear a lot about taxes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, property taxes, um, all those kinds of things. Okay. What's your view on the tax issue in general, and then property tax elimination keeps coming up over and over again with the state. Okay. Um, what, where do your views lie on those okay. topics? Okay. Um, I discovered just recently that a list exists of called the Terrible Ten. Okay. Terrible Ten states for the most unfair system of taxes. 
Okay. Pennsylvania is on the list. Okay. Pennsylvania is So on tell the me list. more. What's the terrible 10 mean? Um, what it means is that the whole tax system uh-huh. in the state um, is set up in ways that are that are unfair, basically. Okay. So if you look, for example, at just the income tax, state income tax, right. okay, there is a clause actually in our constitution, state constitution, that says that it, the rate itself has to be equitable, okay, across different populations. And that's fine. But the thing is, is that if you have, if you are in the lower 20% of income in mm. the state, you're effectively going to end up paying about 12% mm-hmm. of your total income just in your income tax. Okay. If you are in the top 1% in the state, though, you're going to pay 4.3% of your income. So it's it's set up in a way that's that's re- what they call regressive, that mm-hmm. it that it places a heavier burden on people who have lower incomes, okay. for starters. Um, in addition to that, and there's things we could do to change that. Okay. okay. In addition to that... Um, the state has done quite a bit to change the, stru- the tax structure and provide advantages to business and industry um, over the last, gosh, 40, 45, 50 years now. In the 1970s, um, the corporate tax rate was um, significantly higher than what it is now, and actually corporate taxes provided approximately 28% of the general fund in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, it's down now. It's down a lot, and it's currently actually at nine point nine percent. Okay. And they're t- and the the state legislature is actually talking about reducing that by twenty twenty two to six point four nine percent. Okay. The tax rate has never been cut though. Through all those years that we've been cutting it for business, uh-huh. we've not cut it for individuals. Okay. Okay. So it's still disproportionately hurting poor people, mm-hmm. and it has never been reduced by the state while it's been cut substantially for corporations. Okay. Okay, so that's one part of the problem. Um, And there are answers to all of that. The other thing is the property tax structure. Yeah. um, And the funding for schools. Yep. Okay, so the property taxes include school district funding as well as county and local um, other tax needs. Right. And, And our schools are funded, again, going back into the middle 70s, the state paid approximately 54% of the cost of educating children in the school, in the mm-hmm. K through 12. Um, that's been reduced in Pennsylvania, and it's currently about 37%. Okay. Okay, so there's been a big decrease in what the state funds to the local schools. Um, when, what that means, though, is that while we've had health care continue to go up, we've had... Um, um, pensions and costs continue to go up. Yeah. It means that more funds have to be pulled out of the local districts. Right. Okay. Now, other states, by the way, still are paying roughly um, about half. Pennsylvania's dropped down below. Okay. And I think we actually rank 46th mm-hmm. for funding for okay. public education. Um, the property taxes, furthermore, the state unlike most other states in the union that have guidelines for how much you can actually tax um, counties. They set, like, you can't tax above this rate if a county has these kind of income levels. These guidelines don't exist in Pennsylvania. The state legislature's never put them in place. Okay. So we're wildly uneven. 
But overall, what typically happens is that the wealthier districts have a lower rate, a lower mill rate, and therefore pay less in their actual taxes. But because their property values are higher, yeah. um, the schools themselves have much more money coming in. Okay. And districts like that are those in, in Armstrong County, for example, or Indiana County, it's just the opposite. Right. Lower property values, lower income, people paying a higher proportion, therefore high property taxes. Right. But the schools are still funded less well than the other ones. Right. So Pennsylvania actually ranks 50th out of 50 states in equality in education across school districts. Okay. We have the most um, um, inequality among yeah. our, in our schools. And this is a huge problem for me personally as an educator. Yeah. So, I mean, do you do you think that a state sales tax would be able to solve that issue, or is it a, or is it a matter of making the property taxes more fair? Okay. Between counties. Um, the in my opinion, it's a question of making the property taxes more fair. Okay. We could eliminate the property tax yeah. for school districts. Keep in mind, we're still going to have the county taxes and the local taxes. Right. Okay. But it would reduce it. But here's the thing. Um, the plan right now, and this is Senate Bill and House Bill 76, is what right. we're talking about. Yep. The plan that they have here is to take that to take that revenue and instead of it being in the property taxes locally, put it into both income tax mm -hmm. and sales tax. Mm -hmm. Okay, income tax is already unfairly <laughs> weighted on people who are of lower income. Yeah. So they're gonna continue to have that. That's gonna even get worse. Okay. Okay, number one. Number two, um, currently property taxes are also collected on agriculture, commercial, and industry. Mm -hmm. Those three all get dropped. Okay. Millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. That Those millions of dollars are not going to be picked up through their income tax <laughs> because they're corporations. Yeah. Instead, that money then that has been getting collected through commercial and industrial properties is now going to get moved onto um, the sales tax and income tax for the people. Okay. So it's actually going to decrease what we're collecting from business. They benefit wonderfully from this, mm -hmm. but it's going to put an even greater burden on people, poorer people specifically. Okay. And then the third problem with 76 is that it does absolutely nothing to address the inequality. Mm -hmm. They're going to continue to pass the money out in the same patterns of distribution that it is right now. Okay. So it's 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 not an answer. Okay. So tell me, I, I want to go back to the, you said the income tax is regressive right now. Right. The poor pay on average 12% mm -hmm. and the richer pay on average 4.3%. Mm -hmm. How does all that work? Can you help me out with the math in my head just so I understand and sure. so everyone else understands? And then what would you propose to make the system less regressive? Okay. Um well, again, there's a clause that says, and this is in our state constitution, mm -hmm. that you cannot charge a different rate for people based on what their income is. Right. And so people who are poor are paying just a larger percentage of their income. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, however. After, is that like after factoring bills and things that they. No, total. So if we're paying 3% across the board, then how, is it, how do we end up with a different rate? It's it's 3% of the income, but it's what we have available to spend. Okay. Okay. So after, have, the, after yeah. the essentials. Okay. Yes. All right. what we you. have available to spend. I'm with Okay. You. So the, the way to approach this, in my opinion, is to actually split the structure of the tax um, for people who are, frankly, above a certain income level, um, yeah. a pretty high one. And we leave the income tax, what it is, on 
on wages, mm -hmm. all right? But what we start taxing are things like um, um, gifts. Mm -hmm. We tax um, returns, um, dividends, mm -hmm. stock dividends. We tax um, lottery winnings. Mm -hmm. We tax, basically, we tax wealth. Right. We tax wealth, not what people's earnings are, but that's a separate tax on wealth, and that's one thing we can do. Okay. Okay. Um, so I think that's one structural change that we can make, and that helps to make it more regress or more progressive while still leaving it legal by our Constitution. Sure. The other thing that I feel very strongly about, um, actually two pieces I want to mention. First of all, with regards to agriculture, I do think that because of the state of agriculture, especially the smaller family farms, we need to look at giving them some tax breaks. Okay. The property taxes they pay are very, very difficult for them, and I think we have to reduce that. Yeah. So I'm in favor of that, but not commercial and industrial. Okay. Um, what I think instead is that where we need to make up some additional monies, first of all, I would not be in favor of the, the proposed reduction in um, income tax for um, corporations um, from 9.99 to 6.49. I, I don't think it should go down. Um, Pennsylvania is already right in the middle of, of um, how states are ranked in terms of being business friendly. We're actually ranked 26. Okay. And so we're much better off than, say, New York, New Jersey, oh, Ohio, yeah. Maryland, which are all in the upper 40s. Yeah. Okay, so we're actually very competitive in those regards. But I do think that what we need to do is, frankly, go after the severance task on, task, tax on um, shale gas. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I, want to do, I do want to come back, because you mentioned a little bit, you said the property tax that feeds education system mm -hmm. is very, very important to mm -hmm. you. Um, what makes that so near and dear to your heart? Education is important. I'm, I don't yeah. think the property tax is important. Well, yeah, no, I understand. I understand. Sorry. Thank you for the clarification. Yeah, I, yeah, I really, I think we need to be doing better by protecting people. Yeah. Um, but education is important to me as an educator, but also because it's, I firmly believe that this is about the future of our state and certainly our region as well. Um, I'm deeply concerned about the inequality and, and how our K through 12 schools are making out. Mm -hmm. I'm also concerned, frankly, what's what's happening at the post-secondary level. I believe that we need to be developing um, um, our, our technical and training schools. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot more possibility through that. I think we need to be actively partnering with our unions for apprenticeships and development in the trade, and there's a lot we could be doing with that as well. Sure. But one of the things that's really troubling me right now is the cost of education and people who choose to go to college and universities. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons we have a public option is so that anybody could be able to go to the public institution in, in their state. Right. And here in Pennsylvania, again, because of really low funding by the state, um, the tuition in our state system is actually roughly double what the tuition is going to be in, in the, well, the average and the rest of the public schools in the country. So our students in Pennsylvania are paying a lot higher tuition than they should have to, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think that has to come down. I think that also our mechanisms for um, funding it um, in terms of the loans that are provided to students also have to go down, too. I'm terribly troubled by the interest rates that they pay um, and the impact that then has on our local economy. Okay. Yeah, the debt burden that you come out of school with. Um, Terrible. It just doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense right. for, for students. It doesn't make sense for students. It doesn't make sense for any of us, quite right. frankly. If if young people graduate with, and frankly, this happened to my son. He's an engineer, and he's got a great job. But he ended up with about $100,000 in debt. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he is 33, I think, now. Um, and he's not yet been able to buy a house right. or start a family. 
because he's all of his focus is going into paying down his debt. Right. He's got a motto for himself, debt three in 23. Okay. <laughs> debt free in 23. Well, at and least he's got a plan. <laughs> he does, and he, but he's been paying for this for years and, yeah. and has a few more left to go. Okay. Um, but, it, but, it, but it means then we don't have people buying our houses in the region, you right. know, and starting their families here because they can't afford to do it or they leave and go someplace else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, this one, I, I kind of want to make this a two-part question. Sure. It's one part on my on my sheet here, but I, I think maybe the elephant in the room mm-hmm. is that Armstrong County voted something like 75% mm-hmm. Republican in the last election. Yep. A very heavily red county. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes you uniquely qualified to be our next state senator? Okay. And make your pitch I to, the, to the Republicans of Armstrong County. Why should they give uh, Susan Bosher a chance? Okay. Um, honestly, I am going to, <laughs> my pitch is this. Back in 1987-ish or so, Ronald Reagan was running for his second term. Uh-huh. And he posed the question, ask yourself if you're better off now than you were four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my own life at that time, and quite honestly, I was. Okay. And I voted for him uh-huh. in that second in that second term. Um And so what I want to ask everybody here in Armstrong County is take a look at where you were back in 2000 when um, the when our most recent senator was elected to office. Okay. Um, He's maintained that office for the last 18 years. So what's happened to your life over those 18 years? Are you better off? Have things gotten more difficult? What's happened to Catanning and Apollo and Ford City? Um, in Dayton. How are things? One third of the people who live in rural areas in this country right now are earning less than $35,000 a year. Mm-hmm. The majority of people in rural areas are having to work two and three jobs just to keep the lights on. Um, people, a person who is diabetic is struggling to pay for insulin. Mm-hmm. We have opioids that are ravaging our communities and our families. Mm-hmm. Um, students have to drive 20 miles to um, access the internet to do their homework because it's not available throughout the district. So my question for you is to ask yourself if you're better off now than you were 20 years ago. If you are, then you should vote to keep the same regime in place. If you're not, I I ask you to consider a vote for someone who represents a fresh set of ideas and a different perspective. Very powerful question. Um, so that leads right in my last one. What is your overall vision for the 41st district? If you get in and you say you win the special election, you get another full term after that, five years from now, if everything would go exactly how you wanted mm-hmm. it to go, what mm-hmm. would the 41st district look like? How would it be different than it okay. is today? Well, I first want to say that five years is an ambitious time frame for this, okay? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, it took us a long time to get into the shape that we're in right now, and it's going to take some time to get back out. Understandable. But that said, my vision is the same beautiful countryside with the rolling hills and the green and the beautiful river, but now filled with prosperous small communities, with shops in every storefront, with families that are strong, with adult children able to come back home, Mm -hmm. with businesses that have full access to the internet, whether you're out in the country and on a farm and using that technology, or if you're in the heart of one of the communities, that your kids can sit down and do their homework on the internet um, and have it available to them. But that people are making a wage 
a salary that actually sustains a family with 40 hours a week mm-hmm. and not having to work extra long hours, health care that's secure, communities that are strong. That's my vision. Okay. Very good. Well, um, for those that would like to support you, how mm-hmm. can they get involved in your campaign? Um, you know, how, how could they help you if they okay. want to support what you're doing? Um, I welcome and eagerly and enthusiastically um, support. And, and we've, we've had good support through labor unions. I'm getting, I'm getting um, I've had a number actually of um, endorsements now and other groups are coming to the area. But what we're looking for right now are people who want to, who are open to canvassing. I know door knocking sounds scary if you haven't done it before, <laughs> but actually we're only sending people to friendly houses. <laughs> Well, that's helpful. We're not sending you out to talk to anybody. Try and change your mind. But just mostly what our focus is is just getting out the vote. Okay. And so if, if we're able to do that, we're going to do well in this election. We have target numbers. So we want people knocking on Democrat and independent doors and saying, here's our candidate. Did you know there's a special election? Please, we encourage you to come out and vote. We also are asking people to help us with phone banking. Mm-hmm. And we can do that from a central location. Or you're able to do it right from your own home, too. There's okay. a way to do it remotely that doesn't use your private phone number. Okay. okay. So that stays separate. Some folks are writing postcards and um, letting independents know that this special election, anybody can vote. It's held on primary day. But if you are an independent or a member of another party, you still are able to vote in the special election. And we welcome and we encourage that. And then finally, my committee would just take me out and smack me around if I did not mention that we're also gratefully accepting donations. <laughs> Absolutely. And you can you can access that on our Facebook page or on our website. Okay. Is that the best way to get in contact with you if people need to? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Plug your website for me so mm-hmm. I know it. The website is Bozier, B-O-S-E-R, mm-hmm. for word spelled out, F-O-R, P-A State Senate.com. Okay. Very good. And I'll put all those links in the description to both her Facebook page and the website uh, so you guys can check that out. I hope you enjoyed uh, getting to know uh, one of your Senate candidates. Uh, Susan, I wish you the best in the upcoming election. Thank you very much. And as always, you guys, we'll see you in the next one.